Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Weekend sports with a difference. Yeah, I really shouldn't be drinking. Oh, really? You learned that in med school that you obviously didn't get into? A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. At least I have my own bed. Your bed is a car. Yeah, but it's a sweet car. And Rashad Taylor. He's a very gifted singer. I'm really, really good. How good? I've been called the songbird of my generation. Stop. By people who've heard me. That good. On 1080 The Fan. Sunday morning, Mike Rashad, Jesse with you until 11 o'clock today. It is not a great day out yet. Kind of cloudy. It's been like this for a while. It's bright. Yeah, this week's been kind of like this. It's yeah, still it kind starts of warm like out, that. which is nice. And it gets, you know, it gets a little sunny, so we're fine. But uh, it's going to be a nice day today. And it's uh, got a lot of sports stuff to get to on the show today because the NBA draft happened just a couple of days ago. I heard about that. You heard about it, huh? Mm-hmm. Did you read about it too? Uh, did you watch it? No. Well, yes, I did. I watched, and it's ironic. So I was, uh, I watched the first like seven or eight picks. And then I had to go to my mom's house That's for a little really bit. Need, yeah. yeah, but you know, I still want to see because there's still some really this this draft was pretty deep. So there's still some pretty good guys. And so ironically, I walked in the house just at uh the 25th pick, which happened to be for you know our Portland Trailblazers here. So that was pretty cool. I got a chance to see uh, the Blazers draft pick and everything. So from everything uh, he says, I'm I'm okay with it. We'll talk about Nasir Little, who Nasir was the Little. new. Trailblazer. He got picked 25 out of North Carolina. Some people are saying it's a steal. Most people are, actually. So we'll talk about that. I want to talk about the Oregon Ducks fail of a draft. Bull Bull falling. Lou King not getting drafted. It's not a good night for Eugene, was it? Kenny Wooten not getting drafted. So we'll talk about that and maybe some... Maybe trying to look into the minds of why these kids make these decisions or how you can maybe benefit them. And we talked about this on primetime a little bit on Friday, but how, how do you make it so that if guys make bad decisions, they're not just screwed, right? Uh, and Lou King looks like he's one of those guys who just made a bad decision or got really bad advice leading to a bad decision. So we'll talk about that on the show today as well. Um, kind of look at, at some of the rest of the small little draft notes that we saw. There's not a ton in this year's draft that was super interesting outside of the very top, but the very top is quite interesting. So uh, we'll get to that all as well. You can text us in the Better You Today text line at 55305 throughout the show. You can also find us on social media. I'm at Mike Lynch 27 on Twitter. Rashad's at TaylorMade503 and Jesse's at Jesse Osman, A-S-Z-M-A-N. Station is at 1080 The Fan. Um, I, I, I don't really know where you want to start. Do you want to start? I kind of want to go sports right out the gate. Go for it. Do you want to do Nasir Little first? Do you want to do Top of the Draft first? What's interesting you the most? Uh... 
we can go top of the draft. You know, I think we can spend a lot of time talking about Nazir Little and where he fits and how he can fit. And thing. I think that's a whole show, like, in itself as far as, you know, maybe who he takes the reins from and stuff like that. So, okay. yeah, we can definitely start top, top of the draft because that's it, it's hard not to talk about, you know, the first few picks. So you mentioned you stopped paying attention at eight, and I don't blame you. Not stopped paying attention. I had to leave. And unfortunately, unless you guys were, because I was listening to the fan, uh, as I always do, listen to the soothing sounds of uh, Mike Lynch with, with the primetime guys. But uh, they, oh, you guys were doing the picks, but at the point you kind of stopped because We stopped at why? 10. Yeah, yeah, because why? So I couldn't listen to all of them, but I was able to go back and see who got picked up. But yeah. Top 10 players drafted. Zion, number one, of course, to Shocker. the Pelicans. Ja Morant to the Grizzlies, also expected. He's the point guard for Murray State. R.J. Barrett from Duke to the Knicks. DeAndre Hunter to the Hawks from Virginia. I've never heard of this guy until the draft. Darius Garland from Vanderbilt went to the Cavs at five. Apparently, he only played about four or he five played, yeah, games. He only played a few games, but he college. was. But, you know, the he Kyrie was. Kyrie Irving plan. Darius Garland was was one of those guys that, you know, kind of followed for through recruiting and stuff like that. But he was, he was super good. He was supposed to be a top five pick you know the top three pick in this in this draft nobody knew anything about John Morant and when he got hurt it was kind of the Kyrie Irving thing uh Texas Tech's Jared Culver went to the T-Wolves at six who traded up to that pick the Hawks by the way traded up to the four pick Kobe White goes to the Bulls from North Carolina he's a point guard or a shooting guard Jackson Hayes from Texas a big man goes to the Pelicans at eight Gonzaga's Ruiachi Mura goes number nine to the Wizards and Cam Reddish from Duke goes 10 to the Hawks so that's the top 10 picks that's basically where most people stopped knowing the players. And there's a couple of players who got drafted in the rest of the first round that you'll recognize if you watch college basketball. But generally, that's the big guns this season. Neil O'Shea was on record saying this is one of the worst drafts, if not the worst draft in 20 years. So yeah. that's what he said. And maybe he's just saying that because they have the 25th pick and he wants to temper expectations. But uh, it was not a great draft overall. I, I heard that from not just like – Olshay, that was a, I think, a nationally well-known thought. I think what made this draft really actually interesting was, was the what you guys are talking about right now. Once you get past the first couple picks and some of these names start going off the board that weren't supposed to be lottery picks, that's what made the draft interesting and deep. Because otherwise, it was a really obscure and not very much talent in this draft compared to past drafts. So, I think that's interesting considering how much getting past ourselves but the the second round ended up costing some teams yeah there's man there were i think 17 trades on draft day mm -hmm. absolutely insanity but at the top of the draft i want to focus on the top three guys to be honest with you because that's the most interesting zion williamson number one of the pels john morant and rj barrett to the grizzlies into the knicks obviously everyone knew zion was going number one um i still i still have some questions about whether or not he's going to be able to consistently translate his game to the NBA because he's been so good athletically at destroying everybody because he's just stronger and bigger and better. But he's going to run into the NBA now where everyone's stronger, bigger, and better. Now, he's, an, he's a freak, right? And I, I, I heard someone say that Zion was the one of the, the most athletic freaks ever in the NBA draft. You might have forgot about LeBron James. But that's what they said. And... If that's the case, then he won't have any issues. But if he if he has some issues kind of hitting his shot or bullying people in the paint like he like he did in college and, and earlier, I, I wonder if it's going to take him a little bit longer to have some instant impact than people think. I, I mean, I think he's going to have some definitely some uh, some some woes at the beginning. 
uh, just considering the fact that he's going to play playing in the Western Conference. He's going to have a lot of guys that he's going to have to go through like on a, on a nightly basis. You know, when when Boogie gets better, and you know it's going to happen, and he sheds some of the weight or muscle or whatever it is that he gained. You know, when he went to Golden State, that's somebody he's going to have to deal with. You know, um, Nurkic. You know, and some of those other bigs is somebody he's going to have to deal with. I don't know if he's quick enough right now to put him at the you know at the three on the wing, but. If he works on his his handle and he really can, is able to can to develop a consistent jump shot, not even a three point shot, but a, a consistent mid range jump shot, then I think he can be somebody that's that's really good in the league. There was there was a stat, or not necessarily a stat, but I guess more so a fact that last year when he played his freshman year at Duke, he would have been the biggest person in the NBA as far as weight and size. So already in college, he was already the biggest dude in the league as far as his build and muscle and and everything. So once he gets some NBA trainers. You calling, you calling him fat? No. Well, he was – he was he hadn't reached his full potential as far as what they do to work out. You know, you see these guys, you know, go to college and they gain a lot of college weight and then they go to the NBA and they get a multitude of trainers and – excuse me – and uh, a nutritionist and all type of people to make sure that they stay in shape or they can get in shape. Like when he comes out for his first game, he's going to look like the Terminator. Like, I mean, just a, a bunch of muscles on top of muscles, man, I think so. And and I think the Pelicans, hopefully now with David Griffin in, in charge, they understand where they messed up with Anthony, Anthony Davis and understand that they can't uh, re- repeat the same mistake. Already, that's why you look at somebody like Zion coming to your team. And that's, a, that's or excuse me, uh, uh, Lonzo coming to your team. That's a good thing if you're Zion because now you got somebody to set you up with the ball and you don't have to do as much. Now you got a guy like Brandon Ingram who can – be a 15, 16, now on his own, maybe a 20-point-a-night guy. Like Things are going to be a little bit easier for them. I still don't think they're going to win a lot of games at first, but give them a year to gel and give them a, a really a, a great scoring veteran or a good scoring veteran, I think the Pelicans can be a team, not this year, but moving forward, that, that everybody kind of messes with. Yeah, I, I really like the all these guys are young, able to develop together. They still have some time on their contracts. There's not going to be a lot of demand for them to win early. It's just it. This to me, it's not just a a great scenario for a guy like Zion. It's, um, it's it's the perfect scenario for a guy like Lonzo. You get him into a smaller market that's not going to, um, be as loud and noisy and distracting as a place like L.A. It's not going to, uh, you're not going to want a guy like his dad, Lavar. Um, and all these media outlets anymore because, well, I mean, it's New Orleans, so who really cares? So it's just it's a place where all of a sudden a guy like him can take his talent and truly uh, maturate it without all the distractions that he has in L.A. Um, I think this team has a lot of potential to become a really good team in the West here in the next three or four years. Well, that's that's kind of what I was going to bring up is you have Drew Holiday, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and now Jackson Hayes, who they also drafted in the top ten who people are saying is is a good pairing with Zion because they're both really fast big guys, so they're going to be able to go up and down the floor together if they're running the fast break. I, I kind of agree with Rashad. Is I'm not sure immediately how much success they'll have as there will be a learning curve, of course. And remember, Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball are still very young. And despite having some experience in the league, they are kind of going to be part of running this team now, which they have not really done thus far. So I'm interested to see that, but Alvin Gentry is a good head coach. I guess my big concern with Zion is simply of expectations. And that's because 
starting the year, he was not the best recruit in college basketball. Now, that can obviously change, but R.J. Barrett was considered as a better pro than he was or potential better pro than he was. And, you know, the, the season went the way it did, and R.J. had some struggles, and Zion was a force and was incredibly fun to watch. But I guess I just hesitate and say, don't let the expectations get out in front of still some of Zion's weaknesses, right? He needs to have a more consistent shot. Uh, he's a little out of control sometimes because he's so dang athletic. Sometimes that works in his favor because players have no time to get ready for it. But in the NBA level, things are going to be different. And maybe I'm going to be totally off base and he's going to dominate from the start and he's going to be a superstar in this league the second he steps on the court in game one. Um, but I look at it and go, everyone has a learning curve or most have a learning curve. And I'm not sure Zion's going to be any different than that. I mean, I think he's definitely, like I said, there's going to be some struggles. When you play 30 college games or 35, and then you go to 82 the next season, that's a change in itself. You know, when you get ready to start, you know, and when you play college, you pretty much, you travel within your your region, you know, for the most part. So you're going far, but in, in most cases, you're not going from uh, North Carolina to Oregon, back to North Carolina, then to Texas. That's typically not really happening like that you know now you're going to be in a situation to where you're going to have uh, a back-to-back -back when you play in new orleans and you play in orlando and then you fly to portland and you, then you play sacramento like that those are things that really wear on rookies is he going to be able to keep his body in shape to be able to go out there and do some of things? right not two games a week but exactly four or five games a week exactly you know so yeah. that that could that could be detrimental to, to a young guy so you know, we'll, we'll kind of see, but I think the Pelicans could be really good moving forward. I think David Griffin has already stepped in and done better uh, than anything. I could, who was the GM before that? Oh, I can't remember. He's already forgettable. Yeah. Exactly. You know, that, that guy. So One um, other thing that David Griffin did that was really smart, I know we got a break, but it was that he traded the contract of Solomon Hill, which, okay, whatever, right? You don't really care about that. But what that did is if certain things happen, if they're able to tweak contracts or sign players at certain certain rates, they may have opened a max salary slot. Uh, th thank you for saying something about David Griffin, and, and thank you for saying something about salaries. Can we please address the incompetence of Rob Palenka just once like that guy? And I, now it went from being funny. Now I'm feeling start, starting to feel bad for Laker Stop fans. Like, this it. is your this is your guy? Like, don't do listen, not do listen, Rashad, listen. Now, I get it. Like, I'm, I'm not, not saying not feel bad for him. You can't feel bad for a team with, like, 17 championships. You so, just said feel bad for No, Laker I'm starting fans. to feel bad for their fans because I'm like, man, this guy just continues to make weirdo mistakes. Like, it's it's the weirdest thing in the world. Don't you think he'd understand because he's an agent that all these things are part of contracts? I, I, I guess not. And he just basically, David Griffin took that fourth pick speaking sprinkled some fairy dust on it and what do you know it turned into like some additional picks for like the next four three or four years like he got he got rid of salary with that pick and got a couple of seconds i think and a first as or two no two firsts and he got rid of the solomon hill pick yeah uh, yeah and I mean, also palenka didn't know or understand that anthony davis had a four million dollar trade there's money coming with this guy that he needs to pay him unless anthony davis says he's not going to take it which he'll never say because that's four million dollars for free right there wow. so uh might, might hurt their chances of getting multiple max players but also it doesn't sound like anyone wants to play with lebron either <laughs> at least not at the moment so. it, isn't that weird how that's changed so fast like everybody he went from the player that every everybody was destined to play with i have to play with lebron he's he's a game changer now fast forward seven years everybody's like yeah i'm good we got a break I want to talk about this, too. That's a great idea for a segment. Um, we'll put that a little bit later this hour because I want to wrap up the top of the draft next, 
and then we'll get into that segment uh, probably actually in the next segment. So this is Sports Sunday on the fans. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Going to get to uh, the interesting LeBron conversation in a second here, but just wanted to wrap up some final thoughts on the top few picks in the draft. So John Morant goes to the Grizzlies a couple of days after they traded Mike Conley to the Utah Jazz, which had been rumored for couple of months really that they were interested in Mike Conley his big contract gone John Morant the point guard of the future I'm not gonna lie I, I saw John Morant play only in the tournament I, saw, I watched him play two games he's an elite passer so that's a good thing I'm not sure about the rest of his game but obviously he's good enough to go number two overall he's kind of small which I think is the negative on, on him which is from reading some of the draft recaps he's just a slight guy he's small not not super muscular yet but they are pinning their hopes on John Morant. And then RJ Barrett goes to the Knicks, which was the Knicks best option at pick number three. Uh, he was projected as probably the number one pick in the draft before the season's college season started. So that's a pretty good get for New York. Who's having a pretty rough off season with guys just not wanting to go there. Oh yeah. That's, that's a, that's a huge get for New York. And there's still some chance that they still could get a Kyrie Irving, which I think is going to happen. There is a chance that they they throw the the whole boat at Kevin Durant and he goes there. So that could be really really good once KD comes back. And you know I I, I struggle with Kyrie as a leader, and I think that Kyrie for a young guy like R.J. Barrett could be well. You're just guessing bad. Kyrie's going to the Knicks though. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're pretty sure Kyrie's going to. I think he's going like, to the Nets. He might he might go to the Nets. You know, but uh, the Knicks is that that seems more Kyrie speed for whatever reason. Well, but I I really like John Morant. Um, He's a guy that I saw play on accident. Actually, the TV was like on ESPN, the Ocho, or you know one of those other channels. After and dodgeball, of course. Yes, were, absolutely. That's why it was on it. You were watching yes. dodgeball. And so after dodgeball was over, and you know the Global Gym lost, like I watched John Morant play. And at first, I'm just looking Wait, like spoilers. Global Gym lost. They lost. They lost. Yeah, average average Joe's. I love Razor and Blazer and Laser and Taser and a whole bunch of other Azers on their team. Yeah. No, great movie if you haven't seen Dodgeball. If you haven't seen Dodgeball, you're weird because that's <laughs> it's, it's like 20 years old. You should have seen it by now. But John Morant, if you haven't seen John Morant, I can tell you who he plays like. And this is just am I also this, weird? This is a Jalen Rose, uh, Chauncey Billups <laughs> draft comparison. He reminds me of Derrick Rose when Derrick Rose was in college. They're really, uh, really explosive. Again, not a super big guard, not six foot five, anything like that. Was a great passer. Wasn't uh, he a better shooter than Morant was, Rose, when he was um, at Memphis? D Rose was a, was a really good shooter. I'm yeah. just mean as far as when he's in the open court and it's and it's a two on one situation or something like he expect him to make a great pass, and if he doesn't pass, he can be like I said, incredibly explosive with that same two hand cockback dunk that Derrick Rose, you know, used to do all the time. I like John Morant. He's got a quick first step. He's got a great handle. Like, I think getting bigger is something that, that that's I think that's going to happen with time in the weight room. You know, it depends on how big you want to get. Ask Giannis, who was a, a beanpole when he came to the NBA. Now he's arguably the most fit person in the entire league. You know, so you can definitely put that weight on. I don't think that's going to be a problem for Ja. They Memphis, the one thing we can say about Memphis is they've been great with taking care of their point guard. You know, now of course Mike Conley had some injuries and everything, but they did a really good job for years. Uh, making sure Mike Conley was well, they the guy. paid him a fat 
salary. Huge. Too. Wasn't he like the highest played player in the league at he a point? Was. He was. So, yeah, but I think he can be somebody that can bring a real energy uh, to that Memphis squad and something that, that's a little bit different because – uh, because your last guard was a little more, a little slower, a little more methodical about what he does. Now you've got a guy that can be really, really exciting and get some butts in the seats. So I like John Moran. I think he's going to be good. But I think of all these guys, um, I, I think Jared Culver's going to be the best one. Oh wow! I, I mean, I know that's I, that's going that's going out there, but I like his long, I like his length. What I saw in the tournament, like this is a, this is a kid that if he's hitting. <laughs> who's stopping him with those long arms and everything he can do, and then you pair him. With a Devin Booker and a DeAndre Ayton, like yeah, that team can be really, really well, good. You no, know, really he's fast. going to the T Wolves though. That's right. He, that first he's for that that sun traded for the so for for if if he's somebody like a, if somebody like uh, Wiggins becomes available, here's somebody that can step right in there for you and and be the, the I think he can still give you that fifteen sixteen that Wiggins gives you now. All right, let's switch gears to the conversation that kind of started last uh, last segment, and it just kind of naturally came up, but. Why does nobody want to play with LeBron? Seemingly, nobody wants to play with LeBron anymore. And to me, the answer is very obvious. It's because he's kind of a D-bag. Kind of? Well, he plays He plays a nice guy on TV, but from what it seems like, he's a little bit of a DB, and he is really hard to play with because he demands so much of the ball. And from what we've heard in reports about how he kind of holds the franchises he's on hostage and runs things himself, which in some cases he has the right to do because he was and might still be the best player in basketball. But I want to see him come back from his injuries. And I, I get it. You kind of have a little bit of leeway to, do, to have more control. But players, I think, are realizing now that they don't want to sacrifice their greatness just to play next to LeBron. The great free agents, I should say. You know, like Kawhi Leonard. Why would he want to sacrifice how good he is as a player when if he played with LeBron, he'd be half of what he was because he'd have to defer to LeBron so much. You, you don't want to do that. Right? No. You so, and I think you have just as good of a chance to win a title elsewhere because you watched how the Lakers, I mean, they were fine with LeBron playing. They were a playoff team, but you don't, I don't think they were making the Western conference finals with that team last year. Yeah. I just think, I think it was more so the, the team. Like I, you know, I've been having these uh, conversations with people and, it's. I understand why people feel the way they feel about LeBron. I, I totally get it. But in a down year, when I'm using the quote fingers here, uh, he shot 51%. He scored 27 points. He averaged eight rebounds and eight assists. Arguably the best stat line of his career, you know, overall. And it still wasn't enough because the Lakers were – that Lakers squad just – wasn't great you know and it wasn't it wasn't well coached I mean we give Luke Walton a lot of credit for for a team winning 26 games in a row we forget that team was the Golden State Warriors and they won 79 games that year so we give Luke Walton a lot of credit for what he was able to do in the absence of Steve Kerr but the truth is and I've heard this from guys that are coaches on that team or or coaches for that or for the the G League team and that team runs itself you know, it, it's just kind of just kind of what it is. That team coaches themselves. They don't need a whole lot of rah-rah. They don't need a lot of X's and O's. When you have talent like that, man, a lot of times it just happened. Very little of that had to do with Luke Walton. But LeBron has become one of those dudes that now we all, the writing's on the wall. Ask Kevin Love, you know, who Kevin Love went from a beast, oh, my God, 26 and 13, to, huh, Kevin Love's trash. Kevin Love is just a jump shooter. Chris Bosh went from, 
uh, th- this this great back to the basket kind of score to Bosch Spice in a lot of people's yeah, eyes Bo- because Bosch was an elite offensive player, absolutely, and, and a very into, good defensive player. You know, so well, he still was a good defensive player. He turned into though a three point shooter, and that's what LeBron kind of does to you. This is why he needs to play. Anthony Davis is is a is a great example of somebody who could maybe shed that whole thing. And I think this is this experiment is going to be great because is LeBron going to conform to Anthony Davis and become the other guy or is his ego going to be so so big to where he says, nah, I'm still able to, and it's true, I'm still going to do what I want to do and average 28, 8, and 8. Like, it'd be hard to argue with that. All right. LeBron's always done what he wants to do. LeBron has come in. He's he's manipulated rosters the way he wants to manipulate rosters. He's manipulated the front office the way he wants to manipulate the front office. And the fact is, is he's getting old. He's on a dysfunctional team, and not just roster-wise, but front office-wise. He's had his first major injury. He's got Anthony Davis and Kyle Kuzma, and that's it. You got, like, what, six vacant roster spots on this roster, and then you have some other guys that you need to sign? It's going to be the Heat it, from 2011. It's, it, then you look around as a player, and you're going, oh, man. I mean, even, even when, uh, when you look around at a place like Golden State, where it's been the opposite of what Kevin Durant is. We bring in a guy, and we accept this guy, and we sacrifice for this guy. That's the way people like all these players want to want to see it. They're like, oh, I don't want to have to sacrifice half my game for LeBron. I want a team that's going to sacrifice for me or a team that's going to be more ready-made to go and make a run for the finals, like the Clippers, like the 76ers. Like, there are so many better spots I mean, you could just go to the East and find a much better spot than the Lakers. The only thing that is attractive about the Lakers is an aging a-hole of a LeBron James and a dirty, glitzy city of of Los Angeles. It's and, And that is, I think, becoming less and less attractive as the years go on, as social media takes over, as national media takes over you don't need that as much i'll agree with you about lebron the city of la that place is actually dope super fresh you were just there yeah um the other thought i had too is i'm not sure anthony davis is going to have much of an effect from this as you've seen from lebron's super teams in the past the second best player tends to still get to do what he wants to do for the most part whether it's Dwayne wade kyrie irving they still get to play their game sure they have to deal with the lebron stuff Although I think Wade had more respect from LeBron, so it, he was able to kind of push through it. But Anthony Davis will be able to be Anthony Davis. If they get a third star, if they, you know Jimmy Butler signs there or uh, hell, whoever, whatever the player is, Kemba Walker, that player is going to have to take that backseat. It's always the third guy that has to fully change his role to fit. It's hard to have three superstars on the team, first of all, especially if you're running an offense that's purely through one player versus what the Warriors do, which gets everybody involved. But even the Warriors, when you have multiple stars, some of those guys have to take a step back some of those games, right? You can't always be an impact player every single time. I think that's why a lot of people thought Klay Thompson would want to leave Golden State so that he would have a chance to every game be the guy. Doesn't seem, according to reports, that like that's going to happen. But I think Anthony Davis will be fine, and he's a great player, and he'll be in a bigger market. So I think we'll get to watch a lot more of him and get to learn more about what Anthony Davis is about. Uh, depends on who they bring in, if they bring in someone else. And that's the whole point of this conversation is I'm not sure there's anybody who's super interested in going there right now. Well, and especially if you don't have the super max to give them because you screwed up as far as what the money looks like. So you went from what could be 35 million to now it's looking more like 23, 24, still a lot of money, but you went from that's a, a, that $12 million drop could 
that could that could hurt some people. So that's part of the cautionary tale, right? It, there. it is, it is, and so it's 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 one of those things, man. I think LeBron has come to a point to where um, he's no longer mortal like that, you know, or you know, or immortal. You know, we look at him now as more of a guy, and I think most guys around the league are just like, yeah, I'm I'm okay. I want to have my own legacy and not want to be just one of LeBron's pips because that's essentially what you'd be a background singer, regardless of how good you are. You're going to be the background singer for LeBron. Well, and Mike, I have a question for you. Now, is it is it the third player that has to take a back seat, or is it the big man that has to take a back seat? Because we're seeing that that third player is always the big man. We haven't seen that big man be the second guy. You could you could have made the case Very that good. Chris Bosh could have been the second guy That's on that team. Point. Chris yeah. Bosh was. was an all after D Wade was player. was hurt after that first year. You know, it was it was Bosh that was the the go to guy. That's a great point. Uh, you you're, you might be 100% right on that. I think Anthony Davis is slightly different than Bosch and, and Love in terms of skill set and the fact that he plays the five instead of the four, but he is an outside shooter, so he or he can be, so I guess it is related. Yeah, I guess we'll find out. I guess it, it depends, I guess, on what LeBron wants to do. LeBron wanted Anthony Davis bad, so maybe he makes co- some concessions to him in the same way too. All right, coming up next, let's go to the Blazers, who picked Nasir Little with the 25th overall pick. In the NBA draft, we have some audio from Neil Shade to go along with it as well. That's next. First, Jesse with sports. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Nine thirty-eight here on your Sunday morning. We're here with you till eleven o'clock on Sports Sunday. Mike Rashad, Jesse, with you talking a lot of NBA today. The draft was this past week, and let's dive in to the Blazers' pick at number twenty-five, which was North Carolina's Nasir Little. It is being considered quite the steal because going into this college season, Little was considered a lottery pick. And he is a one and done after all. But uh, he did not really crack the rotation in North Carolina. North Carolina is not the usual one and done team. They tend to have a lot of guys who stick around for a couple of years. So it's hard to kind of crack the lineup right away. Uh, He struggled shooting the ball, but he did make an impact off the bench for them. And basically, and we'll have audio from Neil O'Shea here in a second. Basically, all the thoughts were, if he's falling that far, you got to take him. If he's at 25, that's the best player available. And, well, it just happens to fit a very big need that you have, which is a three who can play defense. And it kind of worked out pretty perfectly for the Blazers. No, They They didn't work him out. They didn't interview him. They barely scouted him. And they still drafted him because they knew how good he could be. This is just the case of a guy that just falls in the draft. Like, every other team just kind of passes for whatever reason and – he did landed in the Blazers' lap, and this year Olshay, you know, was was pretty smart and and pulled the trigger. You know, just to, just to put it in context about how good Nazir Little is, he was the MVP of All American Game, the McDonald's All American Game in 2018. So a year ago, he was the MVP of that game. So the one that Zion, uh, I think he played in, or maybe he was hurt for that game. But RJ Barrett, RJ Barrett, all those guys that played in the All American Game, like he was the MVP of that, and then he was the co MVP of the Jordan Brand Classic. So two of the three big All All American Games, All Star Games for national players, he was the MVP of two of those. So let's just put that into context. That's the type of player you got. You got a guy that can score. 
You know, you got a guy that can do a lot of different things. You got to remember in only just 20 minutes of basketball, about 18 minutes of basketball, he was able to put up 10 points, get you about five rebounds. Like, that's good. And he did it off the bench. Those are guys that start and come from Kentucky have those numbers and get drafted in, within the lottery. You know what I mean? And so here's a guy that plays for North Carolina and is able to come in there and just make some things uh, some things happen. He's a good defender. He could possibly be a great defender in the league. Uh, he was in the 82nd percentiles as I'm looking, um, and he only allowed five, uh, 0.54 points in isolation. So, man, less than, you know, a little more than half the time people, he's guarding people, he's shutting them down. You know what I mean? So he's, he's a guy that can really help out a whole bunch of, of, of things on the Blazers, one of which is a perimeter defender. That's something that we continue to say. Then the Blazers just don't have a, a 3 and D guy. Like, you look at Aminu, but then you don't want to look at Aminu because if when he's the definition of a streaky shooter. Like, if he gets one of them to go, two of them to go, then it could be a really good night for Aminu. If he misses one or two, don't expect to see anything drop. You know, so this could be somebody that can step in and maybe give you a whole different look if you're the Blazers. So I think it's a great pick. Again, the the, the word that everybody keeps using is steal, and I think that's the proper word to use because, again, you've got a, a, a lottery talent that just fell into your lap at the 25th pick. Well, you're looking at a guy who was last year, if you if you, if if he was allowed to come out of high school into the NBA, he was projected to be a top three pick. Okay, so you got that. Right? You, you've already covered the MVPs of the high school All-American game, the Jordan Brand Classic, all all that stuff. This this kid obviously has tons of projected talent, which is a lot of times what you're really looking for in the NBA draft outside of a guy that's coming out as like just beyond – uber freakish like a LeBron James where you can just see it typically coming out as a freshman there's going to be a lot of growing pains you're going based on what you're projecting their ceiling to be and to get that at what are they at 25 that's that's a huge pickup this is the the difference between this and like um Zach Collins a couple years ago which I hated right because because one of the things I hated was this is a guy who can't start on his own team well I that's part of the reason that was a big deal is because how much draft capital that you spent to go up and get a guy that is a huge project. This, you let this huge potential fall to you at 25. You didn't make any drastic moves. You let the draft come to you and you got this huge talent at a position of true need. Like I've been like for the last three years being like looking at the three, like, man, that three sucks, man. We, we need to improve the three somehow, some way is this immediate fix? No, but you see that this is something that can come within the next two, three years and may, and and really help get this team going to the next level. And he could make an impact defensively right away because he is a really good long defender. But the one thing that I do like that Olshay has done the last two years is because of where they were in the draft, which was the mid-20s, is one of the toughest places to be in, in the first round because it's, it's a crapshoot, right? You might get lucky and get a guy like Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. And if you if you get lucky and you, you get that pick, then all of a sudden you're a genius and you have an instant starter on your team for years to come, or you take a project and it fails. And then you're like, ah, well, it was only the 25th pick. It's fine. But what Neil O'Shea and the Blazers have done the last two years, I think is really smart is when they find themselves in this range and they probably should for as long as they're competitive, as as Lillard is there. They probably should still be in this range. Swing big. Take a high-risk, high-reward pick. Last year, they took Anthony Simons, who, if he went to college, was projected as a lottery pick, but he didn't. He went to IMG Academy. They drafted him. Now, he didn't play a lot last year. Uh, He was 
part of one of the most important games of the season Absolutely. when he had the 32-point comeback against the Kings on the final night of the year. And now, I'm not, I mean, this is just words, but the players and, and O'Shea are, are gassing him up like crazy. They're basically saying he is legit. And I'll we have a clip, which I'll play next segment for you, just of O'Shea talking about how good he is. And I think a lot, I've seen a lot of beat reporters too saying he's going to be in the regular rotation this year for the he team. He should be. Which is great. And that's because they took a high-risk, high-reward guy. When they drafted him last year, everyone went, what? You're drafting the guy who didn't even play? Do, do, we, do we remember the and way? This, well, hold on. And then, oh, this, and then this year, Nasir Little is a guy who's falling, 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 falling. I'm sure there's reasons why he's falling. I don't know them, but he's he's falling. And they're saying, do we take a safe pick, right? Do we get a guy who played for four years and showed some experience? Um, you know, like a Caleb Swanigan maybe was a safer pick a couple of years ago. Or do we swing big? This guy is falling for a reason, but also had a potential to be a lottery pick last year and shows some signs of life. Let's do it. If you fail on those, you, you tried, right? It's really easy to fail on a late first round pick, but when it hits, it's such good value to help your team. No, and no. I love that that's what the Blazers have been doing the last two years. No, ask the Spurs with Kawhi Leonard, you know, with sometime, or with Tony Parker or with the Ginobili. Like these picks aren't ones that come within the first 15 picks of the draft. A lot of times you have to really do your homework when you talk at the end of the draft. This is where recruiting is incredibly important. And and cuz you it's easy to recruit if you're in the lottery every year. It's it's easy to recruit the top 15 guys. You just look at who the best 15 were, what they did in college and kind of go from there. Like this is where the draft gets really interesting. And I know it's more of a boring part because we don't really know a lot of the kids that are getting drafted at this point, but these scouts, they better damn well know uh, something about these guys and I'm glad the Blazers scouts were able to look at Nazir Little and find a, a 6 foot 6 uh 225 pound a guy with a 7-1 wingspan. He's ready to play today. This isn't like Anthony Simons when he came in and, okay, he's going to need to get bigger, and we know he's going to grow a little more. This guy's got an NBA body and ready to play right now. And he needs so, to get a little stronger. But he yeah, he needs to get a little stronger. He's got but, the wingspan and the light But, ball, but so. again, you know, already at 224, you know, at 6'6", and you have a 7-1 wingspan, uh, hitting the weights and gaining an, an additional 7 pounds or possibly even shedding some weight and, and you know, becoming more muscular – those are things that are only going to help him. He's already big, and he's already long and super athletic. Uh, I think the Blazers might have got a, a really good building block for the future. This text says, Bull Bull was also projected top three pick a year ago. We'll get to Bull Bull and the rest of the Ducks at the top of the 8 o'clock hour, but that is true. But there was, there were two massive red flags with Bull Bull. Two. Where I think Little just only, again, I'm not 100% sure, but I think he only had one, and that was just that he couldn't crack the lineup at North Carolina, which is not the worst thing in the world considering how good they are as a team uh neil O'Shea audio coming up next keep the text coming at the better you today text line at five five three zero five i like this one from p1 dustin the blazers won the draft because they didn't draft the tall goofy white dude so things are looking up two straight years they haven't done that now so it's a good thing yeah well i mean sometimes well, called tall goofy white dudes can help out maybe zach collins will be the starting four this year you don't know we'll see maybe he'll be good too you don't know all right O'Shea audio next on sports sunday on the fan Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. I saw this this morning. I want to get to it at some point on the show. If you were offered $1,500 by an NFL quarterback to change your seat, would you say no? Where am I sitting? Where is the seat? Well, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Okay. 
For now, we have Neil Olshay audio about the Nasir Little draft pick, as well as a little bit of other stuff with Anthony Simons. So we'll start with Olshay's initial thoughts on the draft pick. I would have been shocked, you know, that he would have been there. Um, we still kind of couldn't believe it, but you know, it, look, it was, a, it would, I would have said, geez, that's a great get, um, great fit positionally, um, culturally, the kind of kid that he is, the family he comes from, the work ethic, um, having been well taught at Carolina, you know, so he's got that pedigree. Um, he'll assimilate seamlessly because of his relationship to Ant. You know, we always rely on guys like Damon CJ to indoctrinate these guys into our culture and. Um, you know, I think he's, he's really excited. And I think, you know, a little bit of a wake-up call too. You know, I think there's, there's more than a few guys in this draft that relative to where they were recruited, relative to where they were ranked in high school that, you know, might've gotten a little bit of a wake-up call tonight as far as what guys need to do at the college level to not just rely on what their reputation was in high school. I think that last point's a really good point. Uh, and maybe that'll be something that will give motivation to Little to have a better NBA career than maybe he would have if he just was resting on his laurels as a top projected pick out of high school because he fell. I mean, he's still a first-round pick, but he fell to the bottom of the first round when he thought he was probably going to go in the top 15. I'm sitting here thinking the whole time this dude stepped on my shoes and just kept doing it. <laughs> <laughs> just just continued to step on my shoe just with no regard for, for me. Well, no, I, I mean, but, right? you know, the thing is, the I, I, th- I think so. But, you know, I, I think he's, I think he's, you know, right on point you know when when he's talking about um really having your veterans kind of indoctrinate them into to what the culture of portland is like this could be really different from for kids that are from the south or kids that are you know uh, from more rural areas to come to you know very undiverse portland you know and so uh um, i hope that he's able to really make that transition uh, but from everything that i've read and everything that i've seen about nazir little so far Sounds like, man, the Blazers drafted a good kid. It yeah. sounds like they drafted somebody that's willing to work hard. I think it's really hard for kids to come into college, especially this day and age, as a one-and-done guy and know that you're going to a team that has a lot of seniors, a lot of really good seniors, and you're going to come off the bench. But yet, still, you still decide to go to North Carolina. I think that says a lot because how many kids are saying, nope, I'm not going there because I'm not going to start this year and I'm going to be a one-and-done, so... I'm going to go to Louisville because they said that I, that I can start. And he decided to go with the traditional blue blood and get that, you know, that exposure plan for the Tar Heels, knowing that he wouldn't start, but still was able to come in and make an impact for a, a you know, a, a senior laden team. And so I, I like somebody, anybody that's willing to, to sacrifice, you know, for, for the rest of the team. And it seems like you got a guy that's willing to do that. Um, it seems like Simons, is, you know, pair him with Simons moving forward, man, you got yourself a pretty, good young you know nucleus and he's supposed to be just one of the best character guys in the draft yeah too, that's which a, fits exactly what it's, the it's hard to find to you know those those guys are, are hard to find in this era of twitter and instagram and you know instant gratification like you know it's it's hard to find a dude that again that will sacrifice himself to say man i'll i'll have to start i want to but you know whatever i'll come off the bench i think that that in itself shows that Man, he's a selfless dude, and he's not. He might have been. It might have hurt him. He might felt like he should be starting on the team, but you know, he 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 decided to stick with his role and made the most of it. No, just a, a a ton about his character. The fact that not only that he was coming off the bench, but coming off the bench out of position as he was backing up the four, not playing the three. We all know he's more of a three than a four. Um, that's what he was being drafted as, and I think what the Blazers want him to play. Um, so also willing to play out of position. 
seems to be smart, seems to be uh, character driven, and just all the physical ability in the world, which that's like the perfect mold for what the Blazers have been drafting when you think of guys like Dame, CJ, and even Anthony Simons, who Anthony Simons, a kid he played with in, at the high school level, mm-hmm. and by the way, before the draft, was working out with and playing with so I mean they already have a little bit of chemistry which is nice to know when you have a couple guys that are probably going to come off the bench and maybe play together a little bit that they already have a little chemistry building here is Olshay on developing Simons and Little together you know I will say you know we we still have a lot of confidence in our ability to develop players whether they can play or not Um, I think you guys will see that um, kind of a remarkable transformation of Anthony you know it's kind of all coming together for him I mean he's he's as talented as anyone we've ever drafted since I've been here in terms of nat- just natural gifts. I mean, he's not the player Damon CJ was, but in terms of just natural, God-given basketball ability, Anthony's as gifted as anybody I've ever drafted. So, um, you know, we're expecting big things from him, and I don't want to hate too much pressure on him, but when we watch him on a daily basis, we say things, you know, you guys just don't have the luxury of having that kind of access. And um, so, like I said, Nasir will develop. If he develops to the point where Terry trusts he can help us win games and contribute at a team that was in the Western Conference Finals, we'll see him on the court. If it takes a little bit longer, we'll remain patient the way we have with our other our other draft picks. There's a lot of good stuff in that one, too. Absolutely. My favorite one, though, is is kind of what I alluded to last segment. He's saying Anthony Simons is the most talented basketball, pure skill player that he's ever drafted, more so than Lillard and CJ were. Now, he said they were better players at that point because they had more time in their careers to become more they were a little older absolutely but in terms of raw talent simons was the best player he's ever drafted which is again it's sometimes you hear these things and you go well I'll take it with a grain of salt he wants to build some buzz but i'm not sure after you get to the western conference finals if you really need to do that much anymore and he mentioned it in there that could just be 100 percent true and we're going to see this year or next year the the Simons coming out party. Well, I kind of, you know, liken it to when CJ was drafted. You know, when CJ got here, uh, Wes Matthews was still very much a part of the team. You know, uh, I, I, I'm trying to remember who the other point guard, Dame and uh, oh, he had a rotating someone else. Yeah, rotating cast. Was here. But, yeah, so CJ was just really trying to find his footing. And you knew that he could play, you know, because he would come in the game and he'd get you a quick little, you know, 10 points and something like that. Okay, okay, kid can play. And then Wes left and everybody was up in arms. Do you remember when when they when he left and it was all oh, four of the five Blazer starters now play for someone else and CJ stepped in and start he started averaging 20 points and never looked back. He's only gotten better, you know, every single year. I look at somebody like Simons as someone who might be able to fill a role, you know, that that CJ kind of has and somebody that can come in and give you a, a quick 13 points off the bench, which is something the Blazers you know, really need the the only concern is when you get guys like that and they get, you know, they they really get good and they get to a point to where they're viable NBA talents. Now you've got to you've got to figure out what to do with all those guys. You know, the Blazers. Unfortunately, we've been in a situation where there's like there's too many good players on the team. You know, I, I, it's hard. It's 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 weird to say that, but I do remember a time where you were kind of talking about man, I, I, there might be too many guys on this Blazer team for them to be. Super, super successful. You knew they were good, but now I'm looking at a team that, you know, you're going to lose a few guys, but these might be the dudes to come in and take over for Rodney Hood. Might be the the, the answer you were looking for for a Seth Curry all of a sudden. If you can find another big man that can take some of that canter pressure, then all of a sudden 
you guys are right back in the game. July 1st is when free agency opens, and we'll see some more moves being made. Curious to see if the Blazers go big for stuff or if they kind of just say, let's keep building slowly on this Western Conference Finals team and see if you can get back there with consistency and culture. I'm leaning towards them doing the latter, but would be nice to see them take a little little bit of a home run swing and, and try to get a big-name player as well, well. Your name was in the Anthony Davis trade. You tried. You know, but of all the other teams I was hearing about, you know, it was Boston, L.A., obviously, Portland, you know. So you were in the mix. You, you had an opportunity. You were in the conversation. Olshay said they asked for too much. Yeah, if we saw just, what they got from the Lakers, that yeah, would have been too much. exactly. Now, if you were willing to fleece your entire franchise for Anthony Davis, then, you know, by all means. But uh, on hope for at, one year, at too. least you were bold enough to be a part of the conversation and, and give them a note to their or over the phone. Coming up next hour. The Oregon Ducks did not have a good NBA draft day. We'll talk Bull Bull, Luke King, et cetera. Also, if you were asked by an NFL quarterback if you would take $1,500 to switch seats on an airplane, would you do it? And then hate it or love it at 1030. That's hour two here on Sports Sunday on The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 